mature audience history podcast, Dark Histories, True Crime, Salacious Stories by historians for your R-rated educational intellect. This is Grim. I can't. I know no Russian, which means I know Russian because that's a double negative, but I don't know any Russian. But I mean, this motherfucker was like Iron Man, right? He just can't be stopped until he <laughs> was realistically he could thrown be. in the Neva River. <laughs> you mean until he was shot in the head? Right. Head in the face. But Joe, I know you're very excited. And yes. this was the whole reason that we, yes. we decided to cover Rasputin. So why don't you... For the audience, this was his main thing. Yeah, but I mean, like... The initial draw. His assassination his... was secondary to the penis. Life was like a porno movie for Rasputin. There's just like Russian mail-order brides in the fields with vodka, like everywhere he goes. So his magical member had been the source of a lot of controversy. Pleasure. It was... One of the things that we didn't actually mention is that through and in a tie-in to the clists that we were talking about in the last episode, he was a sin eater of sorts. He proclaimed to be, like through sex, he would take on your sins mm -hmm. <laughs> through sex. So he was quite famous for his male parts. True or not true, because some of the stories were exaggerated, but a, a lot, lot of, of them. Were <laughs> he was a serial groper. He did have sex with a lot of women. One of the dichotomies of him is that he is this kind of family man in his own way. Misogyny. Cheating on his wife multiple times a day with multiple different people. But she was okay Aside, with it. Aside. Yeah, she was fine with it. Hey. He saw to it that his own son, when he was drafted, at least didn't have to go to the front. He saw to it that all of his children got good educations. He tried to vet who his daughters would date. Put a couple of servants in the house with his wife in Siberia so that they would help her when he was away. Bought her a house. I mean, it was a humble sort of thing in comparison to how much money kind of flowed through his hands. He was this kind of family man, but he did have a debaucherous side. And his male private parts had a lot to do with that. They were the most famous part of him and maybe of all of Russia in the period. So it is rumored after his death that this is quite a magical little piece here. This was taken from his body. Supposedly by Felix, caught his dick off and just left it in the palace. And it got found by a maid, was like, What's this? <laughs> oh, this looks like. I've seen this before. <laughs> well, she'd apparently had sex with him too. Right. Yeah, that's she what we like, mean. Hmm, I've I seen that, that somewhere everywhere. before. This must mean Rasputin is dead. So it traded hands. It traded hands, no pun multiple intended. Multiple <laughs> times and yeah. went to multiple countries. Mm -hmm. Well, had a little tour. Yeah, it tour. wound up in Paris being worshipped by expats from Russia and Maria found it there. His daughter was like, you're worshipped? That's my dad's dick by proxy. My dick. Yeah. I need it back. I need my father's member back and I was unable to find if she had paid them, how much, what the deal was, but the sources on this, it's myth basically, but they had kept it in an icebox. Apparently, I don't know how long an icebox is going to keep that good for, but yeah. supposedly if you just gaze at it, it will cure impotence. If you sit on a chair that he sat on, there's a chair in the museum that's across yeah, the street from where his house was. talisman today, because it's floating mm, yeah. in a pickle jar today in the Museum of Erotica in St. Petersburg. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where it is currently. I found a record that Dr. Igor 
for I do not know what his last name is pronounced as, but he bought it in two thousand for eight grand. Eight, yeah, eight thousand dollars. What a steal! What a fucking steal! <laughs> from, like in France, like from French antique dealers. I so. would buy his for eight thousand dollars. I mean, hell. Yeah, so I don't know exactly <laughs> who, because I mean, the autopsy or? report, by the way, it should be noted in nineteen seventeen by Dmitry Gorsotov. I don't know. I'm so sorry. He, uh, K-N-Y-A-Z-K-I-N? Is that the word? Oh, no, the name I saw K-O-S-O-R-O-T-O-V. Oh, these goddamn Russian spells. But uh, <laughs> in the autopsy report in 1917, the penis was still attached to the body. So, I mean, the current rumors is that the... Well, wait, before you go there, if you could have any penis in the world... <laughs> oh, Brittany, whose penis would you want? Rasputin's. I'm not answering any of these George questions. Washington. George Washington. <laughs> That's a powerful penis. I'm right not there. answering. George not really. Washington. <laughs> Casey. No. Children. Or Darth Go Vader's. Ahead. Darth Vader. Oh. Which would basically be James Earl Jones's. <laughs> How about Napoleon? Hated Christian? Are we doing older? Yeah, somebody's already right, got that right. one. That's already it's spoken multiple. for. <laughs> Dr. Latimer has his in New Jersey. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, it had been here in Philadelphia. Yeah. Rosenbach. You can listen to the. Oh, yeah, I do yes. remember that. You can listen episode. to the that episode. episode sure do. Yes, sure do. We're waiting. Oh, I'm not answering. <laughs> so you'll be waiting a long time. But uh, I did not ask. What about the sea cucumber? Well, right? So, well, what about there the was cucumber? yeah, there was rumors that it was a sea cucumber. What's in the pickle jar today at the Museum of Erotica? Which other is why they gave say, part of it out. Well, yeah, eat, other rumors say it's a, it's a cow dick. I mean, there's a couple. I saw a horse. Horse. There's a lot of stuff about horses connected to Rasputin because he was supposed to be a horse pusher. You know who else liked horses? Did you guys see America the motion picture, which is really you bring this up all the time? Time, but I no, love it. No, Never on not. microphone, I haven't. <laughs> yes. Paul Revere, he was raised by horses. Oh, okay. At least in the cartoon he was. Right. He just wanted a human friend and Putin, I think, could have been that human friend. But there's been no scientific... <laughs> I would take there's George no Washington's link. penis, by the way, if I could have a penis. <laughs> the one in know, the jar... I think it's worth like, more. Isn't it like almost like 12 inches? Yes. Yeah, yes, it, it is, is. totally. It's, it's a horse dick. It and doesn't even look human. And it scientifically right. to Rasputin. Right. Fucking alien, almost, except for it's not green. It's the color of a horse, because I think that's what it is. Yeah, it's probably. probably. The guy that bought yeah. it for eight grand says, I'm 99% sure. So you can do Russian accent. Not getting a DNA tested, because then nobody will buy tickets to the Erotica Museum. Yeah. Once it's discovered that it's not actually yeah. his like yeah. oh, what did they do with the alexander sarcophagus in istanbul they dna tested that motherfucker because they thought actually it was alexander and they were like oh fuck it's not him yeah. it was one of his generals anyway back to rasputin but allegedly it was sold to the museum in 1977 by maria so she was hard she's like give me my dad's dick back oh i need money i need to yeah. sell it now i need I to hawk where this. igor comes in he buys it in 2000 so yeah. i don't really understand the timeline but that's where it's at it's at st petersburg in the museum of erotica you can also google it and see if photos online if you cannot make it to Russia today. We should have done this podcast from St. Petersburg. Do you know Benjamin Franklin? I think he was fucking around, but he said, I want to be pickled in Madeira. Benjamin Franklin said that. Rasputin's dick is pickled not in Madeira. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's formaldehyde. So and the so, only thing left of Rasputin is his dick, right. supposedly. Well, also he's he's a very because his story has been dramatized and become such a big legend and myth. He also appears all over the place in pop culture. He is mm-hmm. kind of a recurring character, so yeah. to speak. You know, even nineteen like a flying wizard with a crystal ball that whispers in the Tsarina's ear. <laughs> I haven't seen any depictions of that, no. but in 1917 and already he pretends to be Anastasia's films. friend, but Two really he's a big meanie. <laughs> <laughs> you might have seen the 1960 film The Night They Killed Rasputin, in which he was played by Sir Christopher Lee. Alan Rickman plays him in a 1996 HBO film, mm-hmm. Rasputin, Dark Servant of Destiny. Obviously, for a lot of people, you might remember him as the villain from Anastasia, the mm-hmm. animated film of 1997. He's in the Kingsman movie that just came the out. The current one, The Kingsman, the 2021 movie. I'm pretty sure 
that's following the whole theory that the, the British, British Secret Service yeah. were involved in his death, which all historians deny. deny but there's him. a random theory, so I'm pretty sure that's what that movie's following. Probably. He's showed up in Hellboy movies and comics. He's been in SNL skits. There's Drunk History episodes. He was referenced in The Sopranos and Smallville and Doctor Who and, and any type of series, whether it's comic or movies or TV shows that has magic, he's usually referenced as a historic figure. And again, this is more the myth of Rasputin or the legend of Rasputin and go. not necessarily the actual historical figure of Grigori Rasputin. And he foretold the fall of the Romanov dynasty and his own death, supposedly, yeah. and according to letters. Eerily accurate. The main basis for people believing that Rasputin slept with, was having an affair with the Tsarina is that Iliador, when he was friends with Rasputin, lived at Rasputin's house for a short period of time. Rasputin, being Rasputin, showed off letters from the Tsar's children, from the Tsarina, and Iliador fucking stole them, published them, published an account of Rasputin and the letter. Read in a certain way, it could be misconstrued that there was an affair. There was definitely a bond, an emotional bond between them. The Tsarina would never, ever have slept with Rasputin. She wouldn't have ever considered that. She's a Victorian pious woman. She went to church every day, but he publishes it. Brittany, do you want to read the letter sure. at least published by Iliador? It reads, how weary I am without you. I only rest my soul when you, the teacher, are sitting next to me and I kiss your hands and lean my head on your blissful shoulders. Oh, how easy it is for me then. Then I wish all the same to sleep, to sleep forever on your shoulders in your arms. Ted, do you want to read the other one? The, the prophecy. prophecy. There's one for telling his own death and the fall of the dynasty. He said, I write and leave behind me this letter at St. Petersburg. I feel that I shall leave life before January 1st. If I am killed by common assassins and especially by my brothers, the Russian peasants, you, Tsar of Russia, will have nothing to fear for your children. They will reign for hundreds of years in Russia. But if I am murdered by boyars, which was the old nobility, nobles, and if they shed my blood, their hands will remain soiled with my blood. For 25 years, they will not wash their hands from my blood. They will leave Russia. Brothers will kill brothers, and they will kill each other and hate each other. And for 25 years, there will be no nobles in the country. Czar of the land of Russia, if you hear the sound of the bell which will tell you that Grigory has been killed, you must know this. If it was your relations who have wrought my death, then no one in the family, that is to say, none of your children or relations, will remain alive for more than two years. They will be killed by the Russian people. And the Russian nobility, Tsar, Tsarina, were killed less than two years after his death. Yep. Now, was there debate whether or not he actually wrote and left that letter? It just said that, um, according to a secretary. I found it on Nicholas after he died. Okay. Too. It was I thought a, I read something where it was debating. It was according to a secretary. According to Rasputin's secretary, this is what he wrote. Okay. Like his last letter to the Tsar. And gotcha. it's ironic that he said, I'll die before January 1st when he right. died. When he pretty much the day, really two days before, yeah. depending yeah. on what calendar he was you're looking a at. Receptive individual. Right. And like we said, he traveled all over the empire. He got to know a lot of people and interact with a lot of people. He had a lot of insight. And it was one of the things that got him ahead. He was very direct and he was very insightful. And I think he would have perceived that mm -hmm. people were plotting against him. The climate of people talking to him had changed. And it's really perfect when he mentioned the, <laughs> the number 25 years, because you have to remember 25 years from this date, 1916, 
1941. Germany invades Russia in 1941, and that effectively stops Stalin, Stalin from killing his own people because now they have to devote efforts against Germany. So everything he's writing, this is what, if, if we are to believe that this is true, when was that collectivization? Though there were like three and a half million of his own people he killed collectivizing the farmers. That was before yeah. the war, though. Oh right? yeah, that was yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> pretty much everything that stopped for the, the time being during the war. So that 25 years, that is eerily like very close to Germany invading Russia for the second time. And he, one of the things is too, people assumed a lot of different places that he, because he supported Nicholas once Nicholas had decided on war. I mean, there was war fever through Europe. I mean, it was in Britain, it was in Germany, it was in Russia. People just thought that they would win the war quickly. Every country basically thought this and the people were behind Nicholas and were with flags and God save the czar. Things were going his way and he got a letter from Rasputin saying, don't go to war. This is going to be terrible. And he prophesized against it from the very start of the war, even before. A letter from Rasputin says, Dear friend, I'll say again, a menacing cloud is over Russia. Lots of sorrow and grief. It's dark and there's not a ray of hope. A sea of tears immeasurable. And as to blood, what can I say? There are no words. Indescribable horror. I know they all want war from you evidently not realizing this means ruin. Hard is God's punishment when he takes away reason. It's the beginning of the end. You are the czar father of the people. Don't allow the madness to triumph and destroy themselves and the people. Yes, they'll conquer Germany, but what of Russia? If one thinks then that never truly for all of time has one suffered like Russia, drowned in her own blood. Great will be the ruin, grief without end. That was a letter that he sent just trying to dissuade him from going to war in the first place. He did have some good prophecies. Not that I think that he was a prophet. Actually much I, better written than I was thinking with all the talk about him being. Mm -hmm. He dictated letters. Ah. Uh, during the war, That's those yeah. absolutely horrendous yeah. notes okay. that you've that read sense. that it looks like a third grader or a fifth grader <laughs> may have written, not even a fifth grader, a third grader may have written that was actually him, but he would dictate longer letters, especially to the czar, or the czarina. So that was dictated. And what has become of our players? It is notable. So we're going to talk about some of the people who were quickly in World War One, who were very minor people who emerged in World War Two later. And we will talk about what the fate of some of the players that we have discussed at length was it is notable i believe that time magazine's man not person man of the year for 1938 39 40 and 41 adolf hitler fdr churchill stalin all fought in world war one all were nobodies other than churchill did try to open up as lord of the admiralty a warm water port through the ottoman empire for the russians and it was a disastrous failure it is canada it's anzac day it's australian and new zealand army corps day it is their equivalent there of our memorial day because of quarter million canadians also but Australians, New Zealanders, and Canadians were massacred on Churchill's orders, and Churchill quit his office because of that. Hitler was running around the trenches. Mussolini was running around the trenches. Not that he was Time Magazine's Man of the Year, but interestingly, and I've always seen this, but never the name until my recent research. They must have figured out who it was. But during World War One, Hitler was wounded a couple of times. Nobody knew who he was. He was a Time Magazine's Man of the Year because he was a success story at the time. He's an orphaned 
guy who winds up being in charge of Germany, but he explained a painting that he had commissioned at the Munich conference when Neville Chamberlain visited him. He was wounded in World War One as a corporal without a weapon, and a British soldier had his gun trained on him and took pity, didn't shoot an unarmed injured enemy soldier and he just tilted his hat to him and left and apparently that was private henry tandy british private henry tandy did not shoot hitler in world war one another thing that could possibly have changed all of history had he just pulled that trigger Mm -hmm. interestingly but so some of our players who we have discussed at length prince yusupov escapes as does nicholas's mother escapes alexander kerensky who had taken over in the February Revolution prior to the Bolsheviks, who we haven't talked about as much as I think we'll we'll end a little bit with the death of the Romanovs, but Alexander Kerensky wound up being a Stanford University history professor of the Russian Revolution. (laughs) Talk about primary source. Right, right. (laughs) Iliador, Iliador, the mad monk. They called him the mad monk at the time, too. Yeah. He wound up escaping, dressed as a woman, worked as a janitor in the MetLife building in New York City, died in Bellevue. Could you picture a crazy person talking about Rasputin <laughs> in Bellevue that had actually been through things <laughs> with him? He, when he was defrocked earlier, had denounced the Orthodox faith and the czarist regime in a letter in his own blood. I want to think like that's some fucking serious shit. Like if I was going to denounce some shit, like I don't know, right. ad- adjunct teaching or something in my own blood, you know, like that's some serious fucking shit. <laughs> he died in 1954. And of course the Romanovs, the Romanov family, I believe that they were strongly pressured by the Duma to abdicate. And you got to think like all that they did for little Alexei to keep him safe, to keep the Tsarevich, the presumptive to the throne, safe and so that he would become the czar i mean it's when you look at the pictures i mean he's a cute little motherfucker right Mm -hmm. like it's so adorable in a way like they dress him up in a fucking little army uniform they put little pins on his little chest and they shine him up and he's got big (laughs) poofy arm pads and he's a sickly little motherfucker but yeah he abdicates on behalf of himself and his son Lexi both. And if you see some of those old, old movies, like in the 1950s and 60s, he's all like, I could have been somebody a czar, but I bleed like Russia. (laughs) 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 And they make you want to fucking cry and it's a fucking violin playing. But uh, you guys know what happened to the royal family, right? Yeah, Yeah, the house of special purpose. Oh, man. It too. Mm. They're pawns. They're yeah. pawns basically mm-hmm. yeah. because when Lenin gets into Russia, he enacts counter rebellion because it had been basically the Duma that had taken power under Alexander Kerensky. And they didn't necessarily want to kill the Tsar. They didn't want him to be in charge. They wanted the Duma to be in charge, but the Bolsheviks don't. They're a lot more radical. And it's significant that there are probably 20,000 Bolsheviks at the dawn of the revolution, but because the war is going so horribly, a million and a half Bolsheviks emerged from people who were not Bolsheviks because they're starving, peace, land, and bread. It's the thing. People just want peace. They want land. They want bread. Like, these are basic things. Lenin was he was a good publicist. He wasn't a very good conversationalist. People didn't like him. He wasn't easy to get along with. He was really idealistic. And he strokes out in, like, 1924 after he takes over. But thinking that he may lose this civil war, whites are Alexander Kerensky's side and the Reds are the Bolsheviks thinking that he may actually lose, they're told, like, let's put them on trial if it's possible. 
not possible if they're going to fall into the hands of the whites. The other powers, the French, the English, the United States, want us to stay in the war. And we don't. We don't want to stay in the war. So we need to get rid of these people in the House of Special Purpose. Mm -hmm. So the Romanovs had, I don't know, they abdicated without a plan, really. It's tragic. He's so poorly planned that he can't make a decision to save his life, literally. The only thing they wound up doing was just sewing gems mm -hmm. into their panties, into they their undergarments. They had a lot of hope that they were going to get out because they were getting letters that weren't legitimate. They thought that being getting these secret notes that were insinuating they were going to be rescued at some point and that they were going to escape. And so they started sewing jewels and valuables into their clothes, like their corsets, undergarments and stuff for the day when they'd get that signal that it was time to go. And who was writing and it but the, Bolsheviks. The Bolsheviks. <laughs> and so then when they were woken up in the middle of the night, like what, like one thirty in the morning or something like that. And they were used to being moved around a lot and they took their, all their pictures yeah. and then they said, let's bring you down into this basement. And the very last and thing- they put everything on. They were, yeah, they, they had were their, very expensive like bulletproof vests, basically. Significantly, <laughs> the very last thing that they saw, and I don't think we mentioned any of this, but once they published <laughs> the letter, the stolen letter from Iliador, it really perpetuated this idea that the Tsarina and Rasputin had been having an affair, which they hadn't. Mm -hmm. But- there were all of these cartoons, pornographic cartoons of, you know, you give people a free press and what do they want to do? They want to have a monk with a 10 yeah. foot dick and <laughs> fucking his arena. So one of the very last things that they saw as they walked down the steps were graffiti of the Tsarina and Rasputin going down the steps at this really humble house in the Urals. Mm -hmm. And the Urals, by the way, they were really over the Urals. It was really far out there. And they didn't have much control locally over those people who had hated the royal family more than the people a little west of them and came in control of them. They treated them horribly, too, in mm -hmm. captivity. At first, they were disdainful i wouldn't say overly mean but i mean they would do bullshit to them like you know this I mean, they were fucking the, the royal family they were fucking gardening and riding their bicycles and shit like that but like the soldiers would like jam their bayonets through like the czar's well, the former czar's mm -hmm. bicycle wheel and like you know he would fall off his bike and skin his knees and they were like haha you were the czar yeah. it got worse because there was some soldiers that were like making eyes at the princesses or former princesses you know they, they were i think there was like a relationship that kind of started between one of the guards and the oldest daughter i want to say I don't yeah two name. of them were over 18 i think yeah and were about that then there was like rumors of that of that they might end up if they get too close helping them escape at some they point they dismissed so then they got, them and they yeah. Put in shitty fucking guards. Yeah, they who killed really the guy. Him. They killed one of them, right? I think yeah. for getting too close, mm -hmm. making their time too enjoyable. And they made them. They were made not to speak to the royal family after that. Mm -hmm. But they marched them down into this basement in the middle of the night, and they say, "Line up for a family photograph." Mm -hmm. And there's no. They had like two camera. chairs in the front because they were like, "Can I have a chair for yeah. Alexi and my wife?" And it was almost at the end, like. They were protected by God because the bulls were bouncing off. Yeah, well, they also had jewels, and so it made it bouncing off the so jewels. much more brutal, though, because they like they had to go up and stab them. Right, they yeah. had to just keep shooting and keep stabbing to kill them. The irony, right, with Rasputin and the Tsar's mm -hmm. death. Thing. Right, <laughs> it's sad. It's really sad to think about. And they, Rasputin and Franz Ferdinand, eleven days apart, mm -hmm. and then at the end, the Romanovs and Rasputin were three Wanna months. Revolution happened three months yeah. later. 
And then they took the bodies because it was deniability. They just wanted to get rid of them because they might be losing against the whites if the house came under. They could hear, literally, the Romanov family could hear the artillery the last day before they were killed. And that's the reason. The Mm -hmm. closer that they got, rather than being liberated, they would be killed by the Bolsheviks rather than have them liberated to the whites. So they hid the bodies. They did their best to cover it up. And eventually, I believe Lenin said, yeah, I killed, you know, we, we killed the czar. No mention of the children being killed, just that they were around. That's why it led to speculation that maybe some got away, maybe Anastasia got away. Anastasia, Mm -hmm. yeah, got away. They hand grenaded the bodies into like little meat bits. Then they dumped acid on them. Then they lit them on fire in a bonfire. And I think they blasted them in two different mines. And then they buried them just in some field, like randomly, where they got stuck in the mud where they were transporting the bodies. So they were like, well, I guess they get buried here randomly. And so the bodies weren't discovered actually until 1991. Alexei and Maria were found in 1991. The rest of them earlier in 1979 and DNA testing in 2007 from a lot of royals throughout Europe, but from Prince Charles, (laughs) Duke of Edinburgh in 2007 confirmed that it was them. Incest. (laughs) Incest helped to identify (laughs) through incest. Not that we're recommending that either. But um, it gave rise to all of these stories because nobody knew there was no confirmation that the royal family had been killed and everybody started to say, well, yeah, Anastasia, we would say Anastasia, but Anastasia had gotten away, the youngest of the the girls. And I mean, it's crazy too, because if you think about it, like how many little girls just want to be like, oh, I'm really a lost princess, you know, rediscovered. (laughs) And there was all of these women who claimed Mm -hmm. to be, and the most famous of them was a Polish factory worker by the name, well, they came to call her Anna Anderson, but her name was really Patricia Pantrowska, Polish factory worker who emerged in Berlin, but there was a lot of them. I mean, there was one in like New York City. There was a whole bunch of them. She committed to that bit too for like her whole life. She really committed to that she was Anastasia or Anastasia, however you want to say it. And it wasn't until after, I think after she died that they were like, we're going to test this, but she wasn't it. And they're like, yeah, she definitely was not related in the slightest to that family. Nope, not at all. She committed to the bit. Polish too, as a matter of fact. So we went off down on a rabbit hole. Yeah. Right, right, right. Romanovs. We did. It's extremely informational though. Yeah, I feel like we had to at least talk about their murder. Their brutal, brutal end to the dynasty. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I miss saying, it was an interesting fact, the Akrona, the secret police, followed that motherfucker around so much that after he survived his first assassination attempt, they... uh, put even more Okrana on him and part of it was to protect him from a further assassination but part of it was to surveil him as well he would just usually be followed and now he's like you guys are going the same place I am why don't you just give me a ride and we'll both be there at the same time give <laughs> the gift of grim motherfucker in the yuletide season of family and giving this holiday season but the ones you love, sugar plum motherfuckers and chestnuts, have Santa Claus bring to every one of those beautiful motherfuckers who you love the gift of a grim Patreon. Do you know what the Christmas season gift of a grim podcast Patreon gives to a loved one? Your generous donation of a buck or two, 25 cents, a nickel helps keep the lights on up this motherfucker. It's the giving season. 12 or 25 cents and help us to bring more of this free content to you that we work so hard to bring gift your support of the show to someone you love 
for Christmas. We do put an incredible amount of time and resources into the show. Brittany and myself and Ted, cast of a dozen recurring professionals, master's degrees and PhDs, mostly none of whom gets paid a penny. Your generous donation of <laughs> any the fuck thing at all helps immensely. All bullshit aside does help. Like you can't imagine anything, a buck or three cents gift your support of the show to someone you love for Christmas. Patreon.com backslash Grim Philly. Just visit Patreon.com backslash Grim Philly. That's Patreon.com backslash Grim Philly.